Hello, I'm Brandon Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor. And I'm Carson Vasquez, I'm a private pilot. And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors Podcast, sponsored by Stratus Financial. So buckle up, because the Aviation Mentors are taking off. Welcome back, everybody, to another amazing and, of course, awesome episode of the Aviation Mentors Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. Happy New Year, everybody, again. I know we are into the second week of the new year, and it's already flying by. And uh, that's 100% pun intended, by the way. That was a good pun. Oh, thanks so much, Carson. I really appreciate that. <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm a really punny guy, and I try really hard to excel in that uh, department. Today, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. I also feel really good today, Carson. I mean, this is fantastic. How do you feel today? Good. Uh, I feel pretty great. I uh, had a really good meeting yesterday. Um, and in- Great mindset and ready to get a lot of stuff done. Absolutely. So, uh, well, on to today's topic. Today, we're going to discuss two very unfortunate events that uh, occurred in our aviation community already this year. And they're actually both pretty hard to uh, believe, to be honest. Uh, Carson, why don't you tell us about the first one? Yeah. So, you know, aviation's pretty dynamic and it's really unpredictable. As safe as we make it and as safe as our airplanes are, um, things can still go wrong. So this one caught a lot of popularity and it was actually kind of close to us. There was a plane flying into our home airport. That's where it was It was a destination. So it was an Alaskan airline incident and it involved, unfortunately, a Boeing 737 MAX 9 and it captured global attention. These planes are everywhere. Another MAX? Really? Another MAX? Yeah, I was just about to go into that. You know, there's it's a pretty complex and Kind of controversial history with the 737 MAX series. Ooh, it's had some tough times. So it's kind of a, a stark reminder that there's always going to be challenges. And of course, there's going to be risk in modern air travel. So what happened was during the flight, uh, about 20 minutes into the flight, the door plug tore off and it was at around 16,000 feet. Uh, remarkably, no one got sucked out of that door and there were no injuries among the 171 passengers or the six crew members. And the chair of the NTSB, Jennifer Homendy, commented on the incident and she said maintenance crews checked the plane and cleared it to fly, but the airline decided not to use it for the uh, the long route to Hawaii over the water, just in case had to return very quickly to an airport, again, if that warning light had reappeared. And Boeing came under some fire, quite a bit actually, of course, because this is their third big incident involving a a 737 MAX. So after the incident, um, over 140 of the Boeing 737 MAX planes were grounded globally. And the Boeing CEO, Dave Calhoun, referred to the incident as a a quality escape. So questioning kind of what broke down in the company's inspection process that something like a door plug was missed. So that's a huge issue as far as keeping the pressurization. And he stated, what broke down in our gauntlet of inspections? You know, what broke down in the original work that allowed for that escape to happen? So that statement from the CEO of Boeing kind of underscores the seriousness of manufacturing and quality control. Yeah, I watched part of that uh, that statement that he made. And there were two things that I noticed. I didn't watch the whole thing because I was busy and I just kind of saw it in passing. I noticed two things that, he, that happened. One as soon as he talked about how the passengers and if it could have been his his kids or grandkids sitting next to that door plug when it blew out, he started getting teary-eyed. It looked genuine. 
uh, which I believe it probably was. I mean, I could imagine I get goosebumps just thinking about it right now. If like my son was sitting right there, like how would I have felt about that? I would have been disturbed and absolutely very irritated to say the least. I would use other words usually if we're on the podcast. Well, the other thing is kids aren't exactly known for sitting still. Um, the likelihood of someone that was there that didn't have a seatbelt on, you know, and there was a drastic and instant depressurization event, uh, that could have been very, very bad very quickly. Yeah, it could have been terrible. I mean, it was on the climb out. So as most people know that flying commercial aircraft, you actually have to have your seatbelt on during that time. A lot of people take it off right after takeoff or they don't listen to that seatbelt sign. I'll tell you this. I bet you if those people were not wearing their seatbelt right there, we could have had a a very bad outcome, especially if it was rapid depressurization. At 15,000 feet, the depressurization wouldn't be that great. So I don't think it would have sucked anybody out, but I guarantee everybody's ears got hurt um, in that. I mean, that's for sure. Um, And as well as you get those masks dropping in front of you and you're going to start freaking out. Uh, I know. I mean, everybody would. So it's really important to to keep that seatbelt on as, as long as you need. I mean, or as long as they've got that seatbelt sign on rather. So I would, I would just stress that point even more so uh, on today's, today's podcast. Besides that, he also did something which, which Carson mentioned on here, which I was kind of surprised. Normally a manufacturer of an aircraft is not going to jump and take credit for a design flaw or an issue with an aircraft that quickly. So I'm kind of curious, what did Boeing already know about this issue? Or how did they find out exactly what caused it this quickly? Because that was absolutely crazy that he would just accept responsibility immediately, unless he's just trying to be empathetic to the public. And these large corporations, they have big PR people that tell them exactly what to say and what to do. So I'm sure it was an orchestrated reason behind it. But that kind of threw a red flag up to Boeing, about Boeing to me at least. Well, I didn't actually include it inside of our show notes, but I was doing some research and the people that make those door plugs, uh, the company that makes them, I forgot the name already, uh, something Aero Parts, but they've come under fire for a lot of quality issues. And I don't think that was investigated, or at least not thoroughly. So I think that could have something to do with it. Never know. Like it was, it was a known issue with those. Yeah, that was insane to me. Hey, actually, on a side topic of this same topic, I can't believe they found an iPhone still on, not damaged, that flew out at 15,000 feet. Wasn't that pretty cool? I thought that was awesome. As Apple, I'd be promoting the, uh, the crap out of that. That'd be funny. I, I would use that in marketing videos. It'd be funny. But they actually found that door plug um, along with the iPhone somewhere else. But they found the door plug in someone's backyard. Uh, NTSB couldn't find it. They're like, where is it? They found it in some people's backyard in Portland. Yeah, the guy uh, went went and posted a or did a news interview, and he said, "I think this is the thing everyone's been talking about for the past two days, and it's right in my backyard." And if you go look up the news clip on him, it's pretty it's pretty funny. I liked it. Yeah, we're, we're pretty lucky that the Alaskan airline flight didn't have a have a worse outcome. Because a couple of days before that, there was actually a, a much worse incident that occurred. Yeah, Brian, why don't you talk about that one? Yeah, absolutely. So on January 2nd, 2024, which happens to be my little sister Ashley's birthday. Happy birthday, Ashley. Even though you were out of the country watching the Northern Lights and going around doing all sorts of cool things uh, around the world. Yeah, she got to see the Northern Lights. She's, her and her husband stayed in a, like a, 
I don't, I don't want to call it an igloo, but like a high-end igloo with like open ceilings. You can just watch the Northern Lights all night. I could not believe it. It was crazy. That's so cool. That that was on my bucket list to go and see the Northern Lights. But everyone says you know, they're, they're really hard to pin down. And if you're going to go check them out, don't just assume that they're going to be there. Yeah. So Ashley's birthday, January 2nd, 2024, it did, it marked a day of a crazy, dramatic and unexpected event uh, at uh, Tokyo's airport, actually, uh, drawing the world's focus to a serious collision uh, involving Japan Airlines. And to be honest, I heard about this, Carson, but I don't know very much about it. So um, I've got the show notes that you wrote, but you're going to have to tell the audience exactly what they uh, what they need to know about this, because I've seen the pictures and things like that. And this is pretty crazy. Uh, but the collision at Tokyo's airport involved a Japan Airlines Airbus A350 and a Coast Guard Dash 8. Uh, while all 379 passengers were evacuated safely, five of the six crew members on the Coast Guard plane tragically lost their lives. Transport Minister Tietso Sayoto, sorry if I said that incorrectly, emphasized the importance of restoring confidence in aviation, stating, one of my biggest missions is to restore confidence in aviation as a public transport. I think that's a really good mission for him to uh, to have, especially after that incident. Uh, the Airbus A350's design played a crucial role in the evacuation. The evacuation process, while taking 18 minutes, was efficient given the number of passengers. Uh, Noriyoki Aoki, a senior vice president at uh, JAL, uh, Japan Airlines, if you didn't know, uh, highlighted the cooperation of the passengers, stating, this was followed to the T, including with the cooperation of the passengers, and we believe that led to the swift evacuation. Just on a side note before I go any further on this, did you know that that as the, the flight attendants aren't there just to give us our drinks in the airplane, by the way? They're there to do this. They're there to uh, get us out of the aircraft safely and make sure that uh, the evacuation process is quick and efficient and saves lives. So it sounds like they did it to the T. Uh, Airbus A350 is a giant airplane, by the way. Uh, so I'm I'm really happy that it, it went so quickly and they were able to get everybody out safely. It's a testament to the regulating bodies who regulate aircraft travel uh, to ensure that the public has a, a safe evacuation method and it's practiced uh, year after year, which is really, really important. So, But on the financial side, the financial impact on Japan Airlines was extremely significant with an estimated operating loss of about 15 billion yen. And for those who don't live in Japan, that's $105 million. That's not just a drop in the bucket. The incident also serves as a critical lesson in aviation safety, emphasizing the need for continuous improvement in aircraft design and emergency preparedness. A transcript of the ATC audio shows that the Japan airline was given a permission to land on the same runway as the Coast Guard plane was preparing to take off from. I mean, that's normal, but at the same time, that's probably a problem, huh? Well, there's there's a couple things that were were kind of going wrong. Well, first off, the the warning lights were not working at that airport, and there was a note out about that in the, in the notums that could have been missed. And the Coast Guard plane was directed to hold short of the runway, and they repeated that they're holding short of the runway. Japan airline plane had acknowledged that there was a plane holding short, and there's no reports that are completely official and stating everything that happened yet. But what it looks like happened is that Coast Guard plane was holding short. And then at some point they lined up and waited. And that Japan airline plane pretty much landed right on top of them. So that that's what it looks like happened. And that's what everything's saying. But of course, there's nothing official yet. That's a statement on it. But it, it was pretty, pretty ugly. And one of the craziest things is there was a video that caught the entire thing on camera. 
And then there was also video from inside the plane and photos from inside the plane. And that's terrifying to go in here, especially considering you fly, Brandon, you're a passenger all the time on these. So I, I think you can relate to that. Just that fear that someone would feel as a passenger inside the plane. You know, the people were screaming, there was smoke in the cabin. Yeah, you could even hear little kids in the background just saying like, help us get out quickly. Like we need to get out. So that's chilling to hear. It is. Yeah, I would agree. But I would say that I have the utmost confidence in uh, ATC, uh, especially in the U.S. Uh, I have had a ATC uh, person in SoCal approach uh, save my life one time. And I don't know if I've talked about this before. I might have, but uh, I was I was going over Disneyland and yeah, I did talk about it and I still can remember it vividly. And they're like, dive, dive, dive. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Uh, because I didn't want to, uh, to get hurt and they saved my life and, um, they have, uh, helped countless other people. So I give it all up to the ATC people. And, uh, I actually left a flight school that I first started flying at because my flight instructor, when I was working on my beginning, the work on my instrument rating, he was rude to air traffic control. And I could not uh, take that. So um, the people over here, I have the utmost uh, respect for. I, th I think that they do a great job and uh, a fantastic one uh, overall. It doesn't make me nervous that that happened. Uh, but I would assume as the average passenger would, would feel, they don't know the differences between international and, and the U.S. standards and things like that that we might be a little bit more privy to. But I have the utmost confidence in our flying and our abilities to control air traffic, and I'm not worried about it whatsoever. Yeah, I, I absolutely trust air traffic control. Uh, they have a, a lot of skin in the game. They do this every day, and they, they're really good at their jobs. They know what they're doing. So, you know, today we covered uh, one that was a plane problem. Yeah, there, it was a, a manufacturing issue and quality issue, and the other was human error. So there was kind of both sides of the coin on this one. And of course, as pilots, we're, we're really affected by this. There were pilots that were in that plane that crashed that didn't walk away from it. So that's really unfortunate. And of course, it's also one of the risks that we accept and one of the things that we train for, but stuff can happen. However, these make the news and they're huge stories, but they don't happen frequently. Air travel is extremely safe and our maintenance is rigorous. Our training is, is incredible. We go through it and these pilots do it every day, but of course things can still happen. So aviation is just not always predictable. That's true, but it's probably as predictable as we can in any other industry. So I'm going to uh, continue to think that these are outliers, which they are. I'm going to continue to keep my confidence in Boeing as much as that one uh, movie that came out. I think Boeing... I don't know, the Boeing disaster movie made it sound like Boeing is going to hell, but I don't think it is. I think they're still a, a quality company. Same thing with Airbus. I'm going to believe in our pilots. I'm going to believe in our flight attendants. I'm going to believe in the system that we all trust every day as, as pilots learning to fly. We did want to do a little bit of a different episode today, and I know it was a little bit different than our normal flight training stuff and, and talking about the industry in general, but I do think that just highlighting these one-off incidents, especially when two happen in the same week, it's important to talk about and know what their causes are. So we'll probably touch base on this again in, in three or six or nine months whenever the, the official reports come out, just to kind of see where, where things went wrong and if the original ideas behind the problems that caused them uh, were actually the issues. Or for example, on the flight with the door plug, or was it not really Boeing's fault and that was just a PR move by them and it was actually the airline's fault? By the way, when everybody says that uh, there were bolts loose on these airplanes, I bet you they just weren't tightened to torque 
not necessarily loose, just so you're aware. <laughs> uh, in general, that's kind of how it goes. So thank you so much for listening today. And uh, as always, if you'd like to reach out to either one of us, you can reach us out at brandon at aviationmentors.com or Carson at aviationmentors.com. Also, don't forget to hit follow, like, and subscribe, and especially more importantly, share uh, on whatever streaming platform you listen to us on. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. It's a huge part of helping us grow the podcast and grow our aviation community. So thanks again for listening today, and we'll see you soon. And as a wrap up for the day, remember, we're here to guide you in your aviation journey. So fly safe and enjoy the ride.